0: We are in Lesson 8, we're going to be looking at uh, Paul's second prayer, which is the last part of Chapter 3. And with this, we're going to begin after this, which is next week, the application part. We've been basically focusing on the first three chapters, which is more doctrinal, theological, trying to give you a foundation, trying to help you to understand who you are, trying to help you to understand what Jesus has done for you. And then out of that, next week, we're going to start seeing the encouragement for how we are to live our lives. Now, so let me just kind of help you to understand. Everything we're studying up to this point is your foundation, and then you build on that foundation. So you live your life based on the foundation of the doctrine and of the scripture so that you can live your life. Now, we have it reversed many times. I wouldn't say many times, I'd say most of the time. Because oftentimes when we come to salvation, we immediately think that people need to kind of clean up their act and uh, kind of get their act together and start doing, 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 and living right, but give them no foundation. Because a lot of times, and I've seen it through the years, especially in, in pastoring, a lot of times folks will try, 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 and then they just can't try they just have problems, they just keep failing, and finally they say, What's the use? And they give up. And then you'll hear somebody say, Well, where's so and so? I haven't seen them in church lately. Well, it was too much for them. The Christian life was too much for them. And it isn't that the Christian life was too much for them. They were given a false impression of what the Christian life was. They were told to do 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 without having a foundation, without having a proper understanding of who they are in Jesus, because it's out of that you can live the Christian life. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you try to live the Christian life without understanding who you are and what Jesus has done for you, you're just going to have failure all the time. And so it gets frustrating. And so for a lot of Christians, the Christian life is frustrating. So this is the reason why we've been going through Ephesians. So, We're going to come right now to the second half of chapter 3, and we're going to see Paul's second prayer. Remember, he already offered one prayer earlier in chapter 1 for them. He's going to offer a second prayer for them. And he's going to ask that they be, that several things take place in their life. And so again, let me remind you, when we look at this, don't just look at it, oh, this is a nice instructional time. It's really nice to see how Paul prayed for them. I want you to look at it in two ways. Number one, how can I pray for myself? Because this is the Apostle who's praying. And then number two, how can I pray for someone else in my church? How can I pray for, for others who are, who are part of the family of God in their relationship with Christ? In their relationship with Christ. So let's look at it together. Let's look at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Here's what I want you to see, the approach to prayer. Paul bowed his knees in prayer. First thing I want you to see, first part of 14, it's saying he bowed his knees. Now let me just stop for a moment. I need to make a comment here. Paul is bowing his knees here. That really, there is no proper way in the Bible to pray. No, no proper manner, because throughout the Scripture... Here, Paul says he's bowing his knees, but oftentimes throughout the Scripture, you'll read people, they're standing up, they're laying on their face, they're holding their hands up, you know, they're crying, they're weeping, they're throwing ashes on themselves. I mean, there are many different ways to pray. But what I want you to see here is that usually when it comes to the issue of bowing, it's really an issue of submission. You're placing yourself into submission before God. Which for us as Americans, who do we bow to? Nobody. We we don't. The concept of submission is kind of foreign to us, and so the issue of bowing on our knees really is something you need to grasp because it's really it's it's really an, an action that reflects a heart, and the heart is the one that needs to submit before God. So. So the matter of prayer here is he's bowing his knees. Now he's, here's who he's addressing his prayer to. Paul's prayer was directed to God the Father. So when he's praying, he's praying to God the Father. Now here's the significance of why he's praying to God the Father. Because he mentions it here in the verse. God is the Father of all in heaven. Look at verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, let me just help you explain that a little bit because you're wondering, who's the whole family? Folks, that is the children of God. The family of God. On earth and in heaven. He is the father of all of us who are believers. Now we're going to get into where we're going to spend the rest of our time. We're going to look at what he's praying about. So look with me at verse 16 through 19 that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. All right, so let's take a look here. First of all, the basis. Paul is praying that God would bless us through the abundance of his wealth. Let me just stop for a moment. When he's beginning his prayer, now this is a good lesson for you and I when it comes to the issue of prayer. When he's beginning his prayer here, the first thing that he's going to do Is he's going to say, God, I want you to bless them through the abundance of your the riches. Look at excuse me, look at what it says there, verse sixteen. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Paul's attitude is, God, if you know, if you if you have it, it's not it's not one of this. It's God, if you if you have it, could you bless somebody with it? He already knows God has it. He already knows that God has a, a wealth beyond anything. And is able to do anything. So when he prays, he's not like God. If you maybe if you have it, or I hope you have it, God, he already knows God has it. So when he's praying, he's asking that God would bless them, the Ephesians, according to his riches. Now you say, now what's the application for you and I, George? Here it is. When you pray, you don't have to worry about whether or not God can do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't need to worry about, does he have the resources? He more than has the resources to do it. So when you're going there, it's not a question of God. You can't question God about this, as far as who he is. He's, he's who he is, father of all. He is has the riches of glory. I mean, The scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, I once read somebody said, Lord, please sell a few off. You know, and and the reality is, is, you know, when you go to Him, you know that He is able. That's the attitude. So, He's praying, the basis of His prayer is knowing that God's able to do it. God's able to do it. So, can I ask you something? When you pray, do you have that attitude? Now, it doesn't mean He's going to answer it. Just stop for a moment. Just because He's able does not mean He's going to do it. That's a different discussion. But the reality is, is knowing that he's able to do it. He's able to bless you. Now, he's going to bless you in in certain ways, which we're going to see here in a moment, according to his riches that are in glory, to the abundance of his wealth. So I want you to notice now, the first thing Paul asks, look at verse 16, is that they be strengthened. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, here's what he's doing. A couple things here. Paul prayed that they would be strengthened according to God's riches. So, first of all, that you would be strengthened according to God's riches. Now, folks, this is not something new to the New Testament. If you go all the way to Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 3, Peter writes that he has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. So let me go ahead and say to you, there's a prayer that you can pray that I know will be answered. If you ask God for strength to live the life that He wants you to live, I can almost guarantee you He's going to answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because over and over, it is in the Scripture that that is what He's doing for you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to give you grace. In fact, if you go with me to that... Well known passage concerning suffering. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses seven through ten. Paul, here's the Apostle Paul. He's he's got a thorn in the flesh. He cries out to God three times for God to take it from him. And rather than taking it from him, God says, My grace is sufficient for you. So I'm going to take away the problem, Paul. I'm going to give you grace to handle it. And then he says, For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He gives you the strength. See, let me just stop for a moment. I've got to help because sometimes in our Christian churches, we buy a lie. And the lie is is that God's going to take away my problems. And God's going to heal my illnesses. And He can heal your illnesses. And He can take away your problems. But I'm going to be honest with you. I've been around long enough now, and some of you have been around a lot longer than me. You probably realize that probably the majority of the time He does not But let me tell you what he does do. He gives you strength. He gives you grace to see you through it. You understand what I'm saying? He gives you strength. He sees you through it. And and what we're seeing here is Paul is praying that they are strengthened according to the riches of his glory. He's praying that they would be strengthened. So here's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray God, strengthen them. Strengthen them this week as they face the junk they're gonna face this week. Look, look folks, in fact let me let me just say this. We we gotta get we gotta take the rose colored glasses off. Do you know what I mean by rose colored glasses? Who, who was it that sang that? Was that Charlie Pride or Charlie Rich? I mean this I remember years ago maybe I listen to the radio something. Maybe it was a singer. Huh? Oh, okay, yes. You know what I'm saying? And so here, here's what I want you to listen to. In Christian churches, we have a tendency to put rose cuttered glasses and think everything's going to work out okay. We even got a verse. For all things work together for the good. Romans eight twenty eight. Folks, the good that it's talking about there is salvation later on. It's not good here. And what we need to realize is that every one of you this week is going to face something difficult. Now, it may be on a minute level. For some of you, it may be something tragic. And every one of you here needs someone praying for them. God, strengthen them this week. Lord, I don't know what they're going to face this week. Lord, you strengthen them. You feel know what I'm saying? We need to be strengthened. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. You know, some of the, I've been here 10 years now. Some of the most wonderful phone calls I've gotten were friends that I met at school. Or emails that I got from friends that I met at school. And and they were like, hey man, everything okay? Because God told me to pray for you for some reason. And sometimes it was well, nothing's going on that week. Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, you listen to me. You gotta pray. You gotta pray. Pray for them to be strengthened. Here's the other part. I want you to see about that part. The source of strength is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that strengthens you. So look, folks, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, and I pray for them let's I mean, say Bubba is sitting right here. And, and Bubba is a believer in Jesus. And, and during the week, I I pray for Bubba. Lord, to strengthen Bubba. I don't need to worry whether or not that he's going to strengthen him because I know Bubba's a Christian and because Bubba has within him who? The Holy Spirit. And it's the source of the strengthening comes from who? The Holy Spirit. So, I mean... I'm going to pray for him, Lord. Strengthen him through your spirit. Strengthen him through your spirit. Now, let's look with me again now. Let's go on to verse 17. Here's, here's the other part I'm going to pray. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here's what he's going to pray. That He prayed that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. Now, let me, let me explain something to you. I'm not talking about that that cardiopulmonary muscle that's pumping right now for some of you in the middle of your chest. Not some of you, all of you, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not talking about that muscle, okay? In Jewish thinking, the heart was the innermost part of you from which your actions and your character come you may want to write that down? The heart was the innermost essence of who you are from which your character and actions come from. So what he's praying here now is that Christ, that is Jesus, the presence of God, would dwell in your innermost being so that it is later reflected in your what? Your character and your actions. Do you understand? So when I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to pray, God, just impact them so much, so deeply, that it impacts every aspect of their life. That's really what he's praying here. He's praying for Christ to impact their lives so much that it's reflected in their character and their actions character in their actions. Let's go on now. Look with me, uh, the last part of verse 17. And actually through 19, he's going to talk about the issue of comprehending God's love. That Christ may dwell in you through the, your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the, the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Okay, first of all, here's what he's asking. Paul prayed that they would be grounded in God's love. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Put a star by that point. This really is what we really, we need to pray for strengthening, we need to pray that Christ impacts our innermost being, so it impacts our character and our life. But I'm going to be honest with you. We really need to pray for, uh, for us as a church, for each other, for believers in general, that we be grounded in God's love. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I think everybody here is aware of this. This is not some dirty little secret. But when you talk to most people that you hang out with who don't go to church, and if you have an intimate conversation with them, Most of them are going to say something like this, well, those are the most uncaring, unloving people I've ever been around. They're mean and vicious. And you know who they're talking about is people who go to church. Something's wrong, isn't it? Isn't it Jesus who said in the Gospel of John, by this shall they know that you are my disciples by your what? Love for one another. The reality is, is that what should mark us as a people of God is not our political stand, which we don't have one here. What should mark us as a a people of God is our love for each other. And our love for people in general. And so when I'm I'm praying for you, I'm going to say, God, just so overwhelm them with your love that it just flows out of their life towards others. So he's going to pray that you be grounded in it. Does everybody understand what I mean when we talk about being grounded in something? I may even remember working for a job and, I mean, you had to know that job because it was so important and they just kind of just drilled it into you. This is what you respond to when this happens. This is what you respond when that happens. And, and you got grounded in your job. I mean, you went to sleep dreaming about your job. I know you hated it, but I mean, you were dreaming about it. You know, the reality is, is Paul's saying that you need to be that way about God's love in your life. And I remember when I worked for Gloria's dad after seminary for a couple, three summers doing Christmas trees. I was, I've done so many Christmas trees, I was, I was cutting down trees in my sleep. You'd ride along and say, Oh, that oak tree, I could take that out. With a little pruning knife. Give me a break. You know, you're thinking that way, you know. This is what he's talking about. When you're grounded, you're thinking that way. You're thinking in terms of God's love. Now let's go on. Next point. He prayed that they would understand how great God's love is. Look with me. Verse 18 he says that you may know the love of Christ, which excuse me, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height. So he's talking about the vastness. Now, I think it's interesting our translation uses the word comprehend. Because you can't comprehend it. What it means is, is that you put forth an effort to spend time thinking about man, he loves me that much that you've spent time trying to comprehend it, how big and vast it is. So, okay, let's, let's stop for a moment. How many of you been to the Grand Canyon? How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? How many of you have been to one of the big mountains out west? Some of you have been hunting out there and stuff. You've seen the mountainside and the Rockies and stuff. And, and you're there You're just standing there watching it. You're trying to what? Comprehend it. Can you? No way. Because it's so what? Big. Vast. Deep. This is the picture he's showing us here. I need to pray that you would understand you need to pray that I would understand that each other would understand how great God's love is. And he said, "Why do we need to pray that?" Because let me be honest with you: how many of you struggle with this? Don't raise your hand. I wonder if God loves me today. You know what I'm talking about? If you nod your head, yes. It's not for you, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You've met people like that that question. Whether or not God really loves them? Because that's a struggle sometimes, isn't it, for folks? Things aren't going right. Why is all this stuff happening to me? God, do you love me? I'm going to pray for them, what? That they understand how vast His love is. I'm going to pray for them that they understand how great God's love is for them. And then the next point I want you to see there is this. Paul wanted them to know Christ's love, which is beyond understanding. Paul wanted them to know Christ's love, which is beyond understanding. And then the final part of verse 19, which we read there, he's praying that they'd be filled. Paul prayed that they would be filled with the fullness of God, which, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. He's praying that they would be filled with the fullness of God. Now, now here's what happens, though. This last part will scare some of us here. Because we've seen stuff, you know, people saying they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they started doing crazy and wacky and wild things and, and acting in ways, you know, like, well, I don't know if I want that. That is not what he's talking about. Really, when he talks about being filled... You go back over to Ephesians chapter 5 in your mind where Paul says, Be not drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. He's doing a contrast there. Rather than be drunk with wine, how many of you understand what drunkenness is, alcoholism is? When you are a drunk, what motivates you? What do you think about all the time? What controls you? rather than be motivated captivated activated all of that by alcohol he's saying be filled with the spirit that is motivated captivated activated by what the holy spirit this is what he's talking about i'm going to pray because here's the thing the spirit if you're a believer the spirit already lives within you period So what I want now is that the Spirit takes control in my life to guide me through my life. That's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the fullness of the Spirit in my life. And that's what we need to be praying for each other. And you don't need to get freaked out by all that other stuff. I think we, we, we get freaked out by overreactions, and we don't need to. Now look at verse 20 through 21. Here's Paul. He's going to end his prayer with a proclamation of praise. Another way of saying it is a doxology. How many of you know the term doxology? Those of you who have been in church a long time know that. It's an old church word. It's a proclamation of praise. Look with me. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a star by verse 20 in your Bible. Here's why. Because really verse 20 is talking about the ability of God. And I want you to put the star down because whenever you wonder, can God do it? You just need to think of verse 20 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. Because here's what I want you to see. God is able to do beyond what we ask or dream. The word think there can be translated "dream." God is able to do beyond what we ask or dream. There's there's a preacher I like to listen to out in California. He's a Chinese-American by the name of Francis Chan. He wrote a book, I think some of you may have read, Crazy Love. It's a great book to read. Francis Chan was telling a story about how, I mean, he was pretty frugal. And he loves playing golf. And he was out playing golf with some of these guys. And when they were up to the tee and they were driving their balls, he noticed that all the other guys with him had this special kind of club that would drive it farther. And and he just, in his mind, said, oh God, it would be so nice to have a club like that. But he just dismissed it immediately because he lives frugally so he can give money to the church and to different causes and so forth. He was asked to speak at a church plant somewhere in California. He pastors out in California. And normally when he he pastors a big church, as you understand. Normally when he goes to a small church, he doesn't take an honorarium. Especially for church plants as they're starting out. And so after he got done speaking, they came up and then and, and the pastor of that church said, You know, Francis, we know that you won't take a honorarium from us. So we bought you a golf club. And they gave him this driver. So Francis said when he was driving back home on the California freeway, he said, I was talking to God saying, God, you're so amazing. They didn't even know I wanted one of these. But you did. And it was just a passing thought, God. You're so good to me. Folks, he's able to do beyond what you ask or dream. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's able to do. God's able. God is able. Period. And so, verse twenty is a powerful verse. You maybe want to memorize it. Now, here, according to what the power, His power works within us. Again, who's that power, folks? The Holy Spirit. God's able to do beyond, according to His power, which is within us. Why? Verse 21 tells you why. God the Father deserves our praise for all generations. Now, do you think Francis Chan's going to share that story about golf club with a lot of people? And is he going to talk about how great he was? He's going to talk about how great God is, isn't he? God does what He does for you so that God gets the glory. Did you understand what I'm saying? God gives the glory. Next week, we're going to get right into chapter 4 and we're going to start getting the practical things. Alright, let's pray.